the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. This is your NFL Week 6 Best Bets episode. I'm your host today, Brendan Glass. She joined by... Three Action Network experts who will go through their three favorite bets for the upcoming Week 6 Sunday, perhaps Monday, slate. As a reminder, you can follow our show and our picks on the Action app by following our account, Action Network NFL Picks. We are 9 over 500 against the spread, 26-17. couple of pushes in there. We got two of those through five weeks. We were just over 500 in Week 5. So we're staying afloat. We're doing fine. Uh, today's crew, Brandon Anderson, one of our top NFL writers and people that cover the NFL for Action Network. Luke Swain, who is one of our newer members of Action Network, otherwise known as Vegas Refund. And also Dane Martinez. He is back. He is the host of Green Dot Daily, Action Network's daily show. Weekdays, noon Eastern. You can find it on the Action app. You can find it on Action HQ Twitter and also on the YouTube page. So catch Dane there weekdays. Couple of notes before we start. Bye weeks, Lions, Titans, Raiders, Texans, all off the board. So you got four less teams to worry about. And most of those teams suck. So that's good. Underdogs, they're rolling 48, 31, and one against the number, 60% hit rate. They're doing really well in the first five, six weeks of the season now for the last couple of years. The Falcons, the only remaining team that is unbeaten against the spread. Bengals and Colts, the lone teams that are perfect to the under at 5-0, and and unders in prime time continue to be a story. So if we get to any of those scenarios, I'm curious if we go against the grain or we ride the trends. Let's find out how we describe this week six slate, this betting card, a sentence, a phrase, a word. Brandon Anderson, what comes to mind? I think it's the biggest Sunday of the year so far. We got Bills, Chiefs in the afternoon, Eagles, Cowboys at night, two huge games. Let's have some fun. Luke, what do you got? To me, it's unders hitting at 60% and underdogs have been hitting at, I think you just said 60% as well. And really interested to see if it regresses to the mean where everything balances out after specifically the unders. It's been crazy. Yeah. And some of those underdog numbers too are starting to they're creeping up or you're like, whoa, what's going on here? Dane, what do you have for us for a way to describe week six? For me, it's uh, and they're off, you know, because we now have, you know, rest disparities, teams with buys coming up, teams mm-hmm. coming back from London and teams on their third string quarterback, you know? So it's a little bit different than earlier in the season where we kind of knew how everyone stood. Okay, very good. I like it. Our first best bet of the day will come from Brandon Anderson, per usual, as a reminder. These guys have not consulted one another before making picks, before recording this podcast. So we could have overlap. We may have contradictions. We welcome all of it. We welcome the madness. Every man for himself here on these best bets. So without further ado, Brandon Anderson, your first pick for week six is what? I'm going with the Ravens on the road in New York. I'm going to take the Ravens to cover the six. Dane, you just mentioned teams coming back from London. The Giants are one of those teams. 
I think we talked about this on last week's podcast. Teams coming back from London usually get a bye week. The NFL gives them the option. The Giants turned it down along with the Packers, along with two teams last week. Well, last week's teams hit the trend that we talked about. Right now, opponent team total overs are 6-1 all time when you're playing one of those teams after a London game. They were both over their team total last week. That helps the Ravens here. So I like the team total over 25 and a half. The Ravens are going to score. They're going to score on this Giants defense because do you know who leads that defense? His name is Wink Martindale. And Lamar Jackson has been practicing against the man for years because he used to be the Ravens defensive coordinator until this season. The one thing we know about Wink is he brings the blitz. He brings pressure as early and often as he can. Last year, that was getting Lamar Jackson. This year, Lamar Jackson's playing like an MVP and crushing the blitz when it comes. And Ronnie Stanley back now, that will help as well. Ravens are number two in passing DVOA. I think they put up a big number on the Giants. I think we all know as we watch this Giants team, credit Brian Dable, but this is still not a great roster. They're not really blowing anyone away. And we've got the new luck rankings out at Action Network. New York's win-loss record is 37% more lucky than the Ravens right now. That is the highest differential in the league this week. And so far this season, in those luck rankings, when it's 33% or more difference, 15-2 and against the spread, which goes in the Ravens' favor here. So there's a lot of underlying things, things bubbling below the surface that are keeping the Giants afloat. I think it's time for the better team to win out here. I will take the Ravens to cover. Giants this season, 3-0 and straight up, won an underdog this season. And, you know, you bring up the luck factor. It makes me think back to it. This feels like centuries ago, but Brian Dayball goes for two for the win. And I feel like since then, we've seen so <laughs> many teams go for two, and there's been criticism of the move and not kicking the, the field goal or the extra point. But Dayball kind of sneaks under the rug from earlier in the year. Uh, going for two and getting that victory over the Titans. Luke, what is your first best bet for us for week six? So my first one's going to be Bills minus two and a half at Kansas City at four o'clock on Sunday, which right now like, the trendiest trend is Patrick Mahomes as an underdog being undefeated. Uh, I, I'm seeing it everywhere. Um, and to me, it's just one of those trends that I'm just not like I'm taking for a grain of salt, excuse me, which Right now, Josh Allen is just totally unstoppable. Uh, last season, both games against the Chiefs at Kansas City, he was just as unstoppable. And I really have no reason to think otherwise that the Chief can st- Chiefs can stop him on Sunday. Bills don't blitz, which is going to be Mahomes's, I guess you could say, kryptonite if there is one. And it, it's just a the Bills are the best team. Josh Allen's the best quarterback. Not to not that Mahomes is like amazing. Um, but a two and a half based off of last year's two games and the Bills' current form where the Chiefs have looked vulnerable in spots this year. I'm just going to take Bills minus two and a half. There is There are so many trends on why Mahomes would be the play or you're just tempted to hammer it now at three. It's moved to two and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook. 13-2-1, Patrick Mahomes when he's not at least a three and a half point favorite lifetime. And that includes situations when he's a dog. You're shaking your head. You're like, don't take the cheese. It's just... Which like to me, it's just technically like at two and a half, two and a half to money line pick him, et cetera. Hmm. To me, that's like a coin flip where he's undefeated in coin flips, essentially. Is what that's telling me. Um, if it, he was undefeated as like a seven point dog or something like that, that would be something, but I'm not buying it. Fair enough. 
Yeah, one thing about that 13-2-1 stat you said also, the Bills are one of the two. They're the one team that actually covered and beat Kansas City in the spot 38-20, I think, last year in the regular season. Mm-hmm. wasn't even right. close. So I, I like the Bills here as well. If you want to play the Bills money line, there's a sneaky way you might be able to do that instead of playing the actual money line. I like Josh Allen MVP as a money line proxy here with a much better price on it. If the Bills win this game, they're up one on every team in the AFC. They have a tiebreak win head-to-head against all three other division leaders and have a pretty soft schedule remaining. But I had to jump in because my favorite prop of the week will come in this game. There's no line yet. Otherwise, it would have been one of my official picks today. But Josh Allen, give me the over on Josh Allen's rushing yards. If you look at his splits, when Allen plays a non-playoff team, the Bills are saving his legs. Last year, 11 games like that, 5.7 carries for 38 yards a game. When they play a team that made the playoffs in eight games, that jumps to nine and a half carries, 59 yards a game. And three times this season against teams we assume will make the playoffs, 9.758 yards right on cue. So he's scrambling more and they're doing more designed runs. They're saving them for the big games and this is the biggest game. So I love the Josh Allen rushing over. And what would you line that like if you were making a line for it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the his line has been like 40 and a half, 39 and a half the last couple of weeks. I would okay. definitely take the over on that. I think it will shift up a little bit, but I'll be surprised if it gets past like 44 and a half. I feel yeah, pretty good. Anything below 50 and it's not going to get that high. Okay. And he's right now plus 175, the favorite to Josh Allen to win the, uh, the MVP. So all plays out what you two are talking about. That number could become uh, even shorter if they handle their business on Sunday afternoon. Dane. First best bet. What do you got? I told you at the beginning of the show, it's like, and they're off and there's all different kinds of ways to think about them, right? Brandon talked about the potential London hangover with his Baltimore play. But my biggest thing is we've got third string quarterbacks in action, guys. I think it's Occam's razor. That's the term that just like the most likely thing, trust that it's going to happen. So give me the Minnesota Vikings three and a half in Miami against Skylar Thompson. Okay. First of all, it's not even just the Miami offense. This Miami D defense is 28th in the league uh, against the past. They just gave up 40 to the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. And now Minnesota comes to town with a top 10 passing offense and the Jets have no one like Justin Jefferson. I don't think they'll be able to handle him. Jefferson has 10 plus catches and 125 plus yards in his last two. He's looking to become only the third player in his first three years to have 17 100 yard games in his first three seasons. This is the kind of passing attack and wide receiver that I do not think Miami will be able to handle. And then on the other side, they've got QB three going, you know, for them. So I don't see how they can keep up. I like Minnesota in this game. And I also checked the weather report. I'm a big believer that early in the season, teams that go down to Miami sometimes get tripped up. And we saw that with the Buffalo Bills. Everybody knows about the 90 plays and the heat and all that stuff. But high 70s in Miami on Sunday. So that is not as much of a factor now as it was early in the season. Quite frankly, I think Minnesota will be able to score just like the Jets did. And I don't trust Skylar Thompson to be able to keep up the route tree with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, I think might be a little bit different. Give me the Vikings, even the laying the number on the road. You know, my favorite part about the the 90 plays thing is, he, but the other team had to run 90 plays too. I think Luke may have brought that up on a, on a previous show. Um, 
the following week, that is. But that's just the other part of that argument, too. Brandon, you feeling okay about this game? Quickly, I, I know that this, this changed quite a bit. This was a hot read or a look-ahead that you had, but things have obviously changed at quarterback. Yeah, this was, I think, our look-ahead last week. And obviously, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater went out the first play of the game for Miami's offense. So we did not see Skylar Thompson coming to play. I'm not sure many people had even heard of Skylar Thompson before last week, unless you watch a little Kansas State football last year. So... I'm a little, I'm torn on this one. I would love to buy out of our Miami minus one position, which obviously is a pretty rough number we're getting now. That's the risk with the look ahead. Sometimes you're going to get the injury bug that bites you. And I don't know, I'm a Vikings fan. So if the way we're getting bitten is a freebie Vikings win instead, I guess I'll have to live with that. There you go. All right, let's pick it up. Let's go to best bet number two. Back to you, Brandon. All right, I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks plus three at home facing the Arizona Cardinals. I think this line is ludicrous. The Seahawks are home underdogs to the Cardinals. The Seahawks are the number one DVOA offense so far in football through five games, which is not nothing. And I think we're kind of treating it like it is nothing. I think we all decided Seattle wasn't going to be good this year. I certainly did. I took the under five and a half wins going into the season. This is not the team we thought was coming. Geno Smith is balling right now. You look at an advanced metric like EPA and completion over expected, it's Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, the guys we all agree are the two best players in football. And then Geno Smith, number three, ahead of Lamar Jackson, ahead of Jalen Hurts, ahead of these other great quarterbacks. Geno is lighting it up deep. The, the Seahawks are number one in passing DVOA. The teams right after them are the Ravens, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, these mighty passing attacks. The Seahawks are ahead of all of them. They're hitting Metcalf and Lockett to down the field. And by the way, as well as Seattle's offense is playing. I mentioned Geno Smith, number three in that metric. Guess where Kyler Murray ranks? He's number 28. There are 32 teams, by the way, and some really bad quarterbacks out there. Kyler is not playing well. He's hurting without DeAndre Hopkins. I just think Seattle is a much better team right now. They're clearly better at receiver. Their young offensive line has been really good and is much better. They have the better special teams. They have the better coach here. You guys know how I love Cliff Kingsbury. And right now they have the far better quarterback. You know, Smith is playing better football than Kyler Murray. He just is right now. Offense is more predictive. Offense is more sticky. Seattle's defense, not good. Not going to make the case for it. But Arizona's defense has really not been that much better, especially at passing D. And only one of these teams is really built to take advantage of that right now. And that's Seattle. So, Kingsbury, my dude, 36% against the spread as a favorite. Pete Carroll, 61% cover rate as an underdog, 63% after a loss. I just think the wrong team is favorite here. Seattle still has a home field advantage. Give me the 12th man. I'll take Seattle to cover the three. I'll take the money line. And I'm on Seattle Island. I'm playing the, the over for the season win total. I'm playing the playoff and division odds too. This Seattle team is good. Whoa couple of whoppers in there from Brandon Anderson but his point is valid on being home divisional game they're a home dog and since 2020 teams in that spot which is Seattle they're hitting they're covering the spread at a 58 percent clip so that is what's going on with the uh, the Seahawks but Brandon took it like 10 steps further he loves this team that's <laughs> what I do <laughs> hey it's good it's actionable uh that's what we're here for Luke what's your second pick so my second pick is going to be the Cardinals. Oh, <laughs> and, I mean, right, let's go. <laughs> and if, if Kyler's been struggling, you know what the best 
recipe for fixing an awful the quarterback. Seahawks defense. Exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, the Seahawks defense is on pace to be legit, like historically, like the worst defense in the history of the league. It, it's, I mean, Saints put up 30 plus, Lions put up 30 plus the week before. Jared Goff, Andy Dalton put up 30 plus. So, um, and it's been a consistent theme for me to fade this defense um, on this podcast so far. Uh, but last week, the Seattle offense, yes, they put up a lot of points, but it was very, very much based off of the big play. Um, and outside of these big plays that the Seahawks had last week, they weren't like they weren't moving the ball with a success rate that the score implies to me. Um, and then you have the Cardinals defense that I think perceptionally is poor, but they held the Eagles in check. And this Cardinals defense is top 10 in terms of blitz rate this season, which when Geno struggles, it is when he's getting pressure. I mean, I'm a, the biggest fan of Gino right now. I think I've watched the clips of the throws that he was making last week, like a hundred times. Um, but to me, I'm just going to take the Cardinals. Cardinals since last year, 10 and one on the road, money line against the spread, which I know Cliff Kingsbury, Brandon loves to fade. I don't disagree, uh, but I'd rather fade the Seahawks defense in a, well, I guess you could say make right spot for a Cardinals team that is 10 to one on the road in the last two years. I'll say this Seattle, like you said, Luke, number one, explosive pass plays. The Cardinals are the 31st ranked in, ex- in allowing explosive pass plays. So if that's the only way you're going to score is a pretty good defense for them to be playing as well. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a high scoring fun game. Seattle's defense might be the perfect elixir, but I'm not that worried about bubble screen cliff Kingsbury all game long. You got to actually have a real offense to be a defense. All right, Dane, get us out of this division. Get us out of <laughs> NFC West, please. Yeah. What do you have? Fair enough. I will say this. Part of me wants to change my pick to like over in that game. These guys <laughs> right. are basically just saying that both of these defenses can be had, but I'm actually going to Monday night. All right. Give me the chargers. This actually started at five and a half and is now down to four and a half. So I'm going against the movement. And I acknowledge this. Uh, Brandon before talked about how Geno Smith is playing really well. You know who else is playing better than he's playing better than the Seahawks, former quarterback, Russell Wilson, who is 23rd in the NFL when it comes to quarterback rating they are still figuring it out in denver there's nathaniel can hack it making game management decisions and it looks like he doesn't really have chemistry yet with sutton and judy they've lost javante williams this is a team that is now 31st in the nfl in terms of points per game 15 points per game they're putting up. And quite frankly, that's not going to be enough to keep up with Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Herbert is, you know, he's thrown more than three touchdown passes in his last four games against the division. In two games on Monday Night Football, he has seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. I just see the Chargers as a far more dynamic offense. Denver is still trying to figure it out. And for the first time this season since week one, we may see Keenan Allen back in this game we don't have the full practice reports yet because it is the monday night football game but a lot of people are saying it is trending in that direction i think that helps with the respected kind of uh secondary of denver but quite frankly if denver is going to put up 15 i expect even against a good denver defense i expect the chargers to get into the 20s and that's enough to cover the spread so give me the chargers at home against the broncos yeah, we got to find out, too, if Ross is right. I mean, he did, he could be healthy and not be right. I acknowledge that, right. too. But uh, a shoulder injury doesn't help either. But yes. Hackett said he was a limited participant Thursday. 
And sort of off Dane's point, I would suggest folks to check those reports on Saturday. I know you might be out and about doing stuff, but anything that comes out Saturday from a, a hiccup in practice or something of the like, line movement can occur because of that. It's legit insane the Broncos are on primetime TV again. It's like yeah. – Oh, it's, <laughs> not, they, they had, it's not ending anytime soon. There's more. They've had like – I think this will be like the fifth primetime game in six weeks or four. It's wild. And Russ might just not be good. Where like everyone wanting to like quote unquote let Russ cook in Seattle, like might just be like the Seahawks knew like he wasn't capable of cooking and was hiding it this entire time. Dane, Dane clearly can't get enough. He is in for his best bet to to take this all in. So good news is their next primetime game is not till December 11th. So we get a Broncos break Thank um, God. from national TV. Let's go to our final best bets for week six. Brandon, start us off. All right, I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road, plus one and a half against the Colts. The Jaguars are underdogs against a team that one month ago, they shut out 24 to nothing, and it wasn't even that close. The Colts in that game had 218 yards of offense. They had nine first downs. You can get nine first downs on a drive. They had nine for the game. They had under 22 minutes of possession. The Colts stink. They are dead last in DVOA on offense. The Colts are terrible. They're not good. Why are they home favorites here? Well, part of the reason is because we know the thing how when Indianapolis goes to Jacksonville, the Jaguars win, right? We know that they have eight wins in a row now. In Indianapolis, it's a different story. At home, the Colts have won during that same stretch, eight out of nine against Jacksonville. Since September of 2014, only one road victory out of the last 17 games. So that gave me pause here because I think the Jaguars are clearly the better team, but that one stat alone, I was like, man, can I really go against the road trend? I can't because here's what I noticed when I dug a little bit more into it. The Colts have been by far the better team that whole stretch, right? The Jaguars are terrible. So part of it is, okay, they're winning, but we're not a winning podcast. We are an against the spread podcast. We care about uh, cover rates. So let's look at that during that stretch. So since October 2015, the Colts have covered one time in the last 15 games against the Jaguars, one cover out of 15 times. And just in case you need some perspective on that. So the Jags during that stretch, 13, one and one against the spread covering 93% by 11 points a game Jacksonville against literally every other team in the world in that same stretch. 35 and 63 against the spread, covering 36% of the time. The Jaguars' morbid, awful franchise sucks against the entire world, but cannot stop covering against the Colts. Indianapolis turns it over. They have the highest turnover rate in the league. The Jaguars' defense has the highest turnover rate forced in the league. As long as they get a couple turnovers and Matt Ryan to the rescue on that one, I like Jacksonville here. They've been losing lately, but the defense has been still great, and that should be enough here. I'll take the Jags to cover, and if you like it, in a division battle, that's still kind of up for grabs here. I have to play the Jacksonville division as well, plus 250 on that number, I think. To me, this is like the most interesting line of the weekend, where, which ironically, you have a Jacksonville team coming off a loss versus a Texans team that beat them eight times in a row, I think. Yep. Where now they're going to the Colts, playing a team that they've beaten like eight times in a row. Where I think it, oh, my only hesitation, because this was like probably the last one that I, I almost included the Jags, is that the th this thing opened at, I think it was like seven. 
and now it's down to like one and a half, which is a crazy huh. move. Um, but move. which I don't know if that was open like based off like months ago. But yeah, that's the preseason line. It, yeah. it was uh, two and a half or three on Sunday. So it is still dropping, okay. but it's been dropping through the weeks as well. Yeah, I love this one too. Okay, love it. We're just going to keep ripping on the Colts. I mean, the second, one of Brandon's like second bullet points in that that soliloquy he just delivered is the Colts stink. And I just laughed. I thought yeah. that, was, that was funny. <laughs> um, it's always okay, I think, to mix in a little um, hatred in the, in the pick too. You better um, watch out though, Brandon. They may get some special teams plays. You talked about offense, defense saying that was it. Now all of a sudden we're going to get two punt blocks for returns or something like that. And, and we'll according to That's the about action, my luck. <laughs> According to the action app, the money is coming in on Indy. So, so Brandon is going against the people as of now. Uh, Luke Swain, your third best bet for week six. So I'm going to be going against the Patriots and taking the Browns minus two and a half on Sunday, which last week we were on the Pats. And I said on this podcast, the Patriots offense was going to look a lot better than they actually are. Where the Seahawks have the worst defense, the lines are not far behind. And you had you couldn't have had a better matchup for Zappy to start in his first game against a Lions offense. Um, where I know Eckler, I know the Browns rushing defense hasn't been great, and Eckler ran for 170 plus yards last weekend against the Browns. But he ran for 170 yards against the Browns while that defense had to worry about Justin Herbert too. And when you have Bailey Zappy in his second start, which as he gets more starts, more teams are going to have film on him to prepare for a rookie quarterback that was drafted, I think the fourth round. Um, and I think there is a trend and I hate saying, I think there is a trend, but I just couldn't find it um, on Twitter where like, rookie quarter or backup quarterbacks in their second start are definitely not profitable. Um, mm-hmm. And when a team can focus on the run and not have to worry about a guy like Justin Herbert and let Bailey Zappi try and beat you, I'm all for, and I just don't see, anything containing this Browns run game. Um, so I'll take the Browns minus two and a half and fading a Patriots team coming off a win that I think looks a lot better on paper than it actually was and more of a Lions defense just being awful. Evan Abrams of Action Network puts out a doc. Uh, he's got some great news and notes and nuggets for for trends. And one of the trends he has listed here sort of comes it, it goes against what you're talking about though it says uh backup quarterbacks it, it, there's a backup quarterback in zappy playing this week for the patriots it's just the eighth time they've done that in the last decade four and three straight up five and two against the spread all right dame what do you have last pick yeah i'm gonna co-sign with luke over here i too am on the browns at home laying the two and a half he said a lot of things that i thought the idea that you know zappy may have overperformed but turned into a pumpkin now that it is halloween season right <laughs> he did face that lions defense which i think is much different than cleveland on the road you know i also believe this idea that you got tape on him so it'll be a little bit different that's the that's the new england offense side but when the other side of the ball is there i mean quite frankly to me this is the number one one rushing offense in the NFL against the bottom third rushing defense. And to me, that is sustainable. That's something I can hang my hat on, whereas Bailey Zappi on the road is certainly not. The one thing that I know in this game is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is the only player in the NFL with 100 or more scrimmage yards in every week of the NFL season so far. If he does it again, which I believe he will, he'll be the first player since 2018 to have it 
in the first six weeks of the season. So to me, there's so many reasons to still be unsure about Bailey Zappi and the Patriots. But the one thing I can hang my hat on is the run game Cleveland. I think it'll be enough to pretty much punch New England in the mouth and cover a field goal. So give me Cleveland laying the two and a half. Like load the box and let Zabby beat you. Like right. you That's can't, what you can't. 53, everyone who's dressed, all of them. And yeah. if Bailey Zappy can go downfield to what Jacoby Myers and it's Nelson fine. Aguilar, I will tip my cap right. to you. But which guess like, what? I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. And you can't do that with Justin Herbert. Like you just can't, which is why Eckler yeah. ran for 170 yards. But Luke, the first time Luke's going against the Pats this year, it's just weird know. to hear. It's weird to hear it. Uh, I mean, Kevin's they're not fans. good. That's like the thing. That's like a thing right. that like going into the season, like, Pass shut out. I, there's probably a shutout trend somewhere, but like the pass looked great last week, but they're still not good. Like, which I've been harping. And yes, now I have a 28 to three tattoo, like, which places I probably can't say on this podcast, but like, they're just not good this year. <laughs> I'll trust Nick Chubb. Let's put it that way. That's what it comes yeah. down to. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Stefanski, eight and 16 against the spread as a favorite uh, in his career as Brown's coach. So, that's that's it for best bets. Before we wrap the show, though, we'll take a quick look at next week's lines for week seven and see if we like any numbers now before they adjust. This is normally Brandon Anderson's wheelhouse. And I had not read this yet until he popped it in. And like, <laughs> no surprise here, but I, I kind of gasped to myself when I saw this number. Brandon, why don't you tell us what it is? Well, Dane and Luke, you guys are both going to hate this one. I am oh, taking boy. the Seahawks plus seven and a half at the Chargers next weekend. So, Luke, you think the Seahawks are going down this week. Dane, you like the Chargers to win big on Monday. I'm against both of those spots, so I think this goes the other direction, and I want this one of the 7.5 because I expect the line to drop, and I'm going to lose the hook and lose a key number along the way if so. So here's how I see it. Short week for the Chargers after Monday night, and I actually think Monday night is a tough spot. There are a lot of trends that favor Denver in that spot. Our luck rankings again there are looking at Denver If they lose or struggle a little bit there, and if I'm right about the Seahawks, my Seahawks, then I think we start to take the Seahawks a little bit seriously. Six weeks of great offense, and this line starts to move a little bit. I want the hook. And remember, this is against the Chargers. So it's at the Chargers. I did air quotes for those of you just listening. The Chargers don't have a home field advantage. We know this. There's going to be more Seahawks fans at that game than there are Chargers fans. So... That means this line is basically just a true line. We're getting more than a touchdown of true line with no real home field advantage for the Seahawks. I just think that's too high. And we have the number one DVOA offense for Seattle, which means that even if the Chargers just put up a giant number on Seattle, which they might, the back door will be open. And Seattle's great offense can come through the back door. All we got to do is get it to under seven and a half. Chargers have lots of injuries. We talked about that. I don't know about Keenan Allen, whether he'll play Joey Bosa and JC Jackson on defense. Herbert still injured with those rib injuries. Rayshon Slater, the star tackle is out. The total is rising on this one. Dan, you talked about playing the over for Seattle game this week. We're already at 53 next week, and I think it's going to keep on going. So at first they made me hesitate. Okay, well, if the total gets to like 55, then seven and a half to cover is actually not that big of a line. But I looked it up. In our Action Lab system, if the total is 55 or higher, underdogs of more than a touchdown are 15 and six against the spread. So basically saying, hey, it's a shootout. Either one of these teams can hang a huge number. I think Seattle could hang a huge number. They've won 
three of the last five in that spot outright for the underdog. So I like the Seahawks. I am on Seattle Island. I'm going to die on this ship. Put me out to sea and give me the Seahawks plus seven and a half. That's a good right. trend. We're like that trend is like very much like when the total's high, like both teams are capable. They can score where right. when it's low, it's like the bears tonight. Um, but Herbert might like break this single game record for passing. <laughs> he <know>. might. <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't deny that one. All I'm saying is just make sure we keep the clip of Brandon saying my Seahawks so we can play it back <laughs> in December. Looking at the FanDuel Sportsbook, you can get the Seahawks to make the playoffs at, pl- at plus 1060. And you also like their division odds as well going into the week. Okay. Where are we um, at? We're at like 30 to 1? Plus 2,500. All right. Just, just shout. So again, let's be very clear here. I'm not telling you Seattle Seahawks are going to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and clip that one too. I'm telling you the Seattle Seahawks should make the playoffs more than one in 25 times. The Niners are all banged up. The Rams are not good this year. I think we've all watched that. Nobody thinks the Cardinals are good. Even if you like them in the game, it's a very open division. This, I keep taking these long shot flyers on these kind of weird garbage sort of teams because teams like the Jaguars, who might be in the mix now, the Seahawks, maybe the Falcons, it's a parody year. We're close. The, the great teams aren't as good this year, and the bad teams aren't quite as bad. Weird stuff is coming. And I just think some of these weird teams that are kind of hanging around are going to end up actually paying off for us. Plus, in that game, uh, the Chargers game, you'll get USC Pete Carroll fans um, that'll want to come see Pete. So, there you go. I mean, if they win the division, like a Geno MVP ticket should be... Oh, like, there we go. Uh, don't even give me so so last monday so about a Brandon week and a half ago i was like you know what hey i want to look for geno smith comeback player of the year award can i bet on that and i could not find that on any book anywhere i was like give me the geno smith long shot and then the books added it and within like two hours it got nuked and he is now the second favorite at every book so yeah, i think comeback right. player of the year is probably the real ticket there but I don't know. Seattle, I mean, if Geno keeps doing this all year, he's going to win something. No, Kenneth totally Walker agree. is also the ninth choice still for the rookie of the year. And I think like 14, 15 to one. And he now has that backfield all to himself in what, you know, Brandon says will continue to be a high scoring offense. I feel it. I feel the love. Seattle Island, <laughs> yeah, fellas. This, Come on this, out. The water's warm. This episode yeah. needs to end. We've been going <laughs> too long about the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, to recap the picks for week six, Brandon Anderson, on Ravens minus six, Seattle plus three, Jacksonville plus one and a half. Luke Swain is on the Bills minus two and a half. He also likes the Cardinals going against Brandon. Cardinals minus three, and his final pick is Cleveland minus two and a half. Day Martinez on the Vikings at Miami minus three and a half. Chargers minus four and a half on Monday night. And he is also with Luke on Cleveland, minus two and a half. That will do it here on the Action Network podcast for our NFL Week 6 Best Bets. Thanks to Brandon Anderson, Luke Swain, Dave Martinez. For joining us today, I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Best of luck with your bets all weekend long, everybody. We will see you again Monday morning for the recap show right here on the Action Network podcast.